Do you know what I like about the phrase wedding band? What? It has a nice ring to it. Nah. H manners. Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? I really enjoyed that classic goof up Thank you. I get, came to me in the moment. Loved it. Was it was perfect. Sometimes the key to writing a joke is to think, what's a funny word I can put in the punchline? And work backwards <laughs> from there. So I was like, oh, we're talking about jewelry. Ring. Ring means a bunch of different things. Okay, great. Just go backwards from there. I didn't I didn't need a, a lesson or a TED Talk. I'm just saying it was good. Okay, well, I'm used to teaching BB about jokes. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. So, sometimes I forget not to talk to adults like kids. <laughs> and, you know, I've been taking this blacksmithing class. And, like, someone will start to, like, reach for something. I'm like, now that's hot. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You're a grown-up. And, <laughs> and I know. I'm so, oh, God. I apologize. Or okay. I'll look at someone and go, do you need to go to the potty? No, <laughs> like, you oh, do no. not. No, no, no. Mostly just you. Yeah, me. So we're talking about jewelry. Because the answer is yes. I need lots of potty breaks. Almost always, right? Yes. That's the thing, man. Sometimes BB can go a while. Yeah, and, all day. And like here I am like, oh, has it been 10 minutes? Okay. <laughs> um, so we're talking about jewelry. We are. This was suggested by Robin. Uh, they had a few specific questions about birthstones and necklace shapes, which we will definitely get to. Have we not done? I guess we did. Uh, anniversary presents. Yeah. Which some some gemstones are in there as right. well, like the diamond anniversary. Oh, uh, well, yeah. I'm going to talk about diamonds. Oh, 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 oh folks. Boy. I'm going to talk about diamonds. Oh, boy. Um, but here's the thing. Jewelry is, uh, uh, one, falls very much into, I would say, our accessories category. Indeed. Uh, we did perfume last week, which I, I also included in there. And jewelry, once again, strikes a very interesting thing to me because one, I'm amazed we haven't talked about it before. I know, right? And two, it can mean so much, right? Absolutely. Not only is it a style thing, not only is it a personality thing, but there's a whole like symbolism across a lot of different things. Not just like the symbols one might wear on a necklace or something, but sure. like where you wear your ring, how you, you know, wear your watch, all these things. Absolutely. Um, so here's some history. The first thing being... Uh, some historians believe that body adornments is what we're we're relating to jewelry uh, predated the invention of the plow. You know what? That makes complete sense to me. And you don't know why it makes complete sense to me? Can what? I guess? Religious reasons. Certainly. Or, um, or ra- not just religious, but uh, ceremonial reasons. Ceremonial status, uh, definitely. So... Different archaeological sites have uncovered jewelry made of feathers, bones, shells, colored pebbles that were fashioned into all sorts of things. Um, And people wore it for a lot of different reasons, like you said, uh, love or religion or expression or acceptance or status symbol, all that stuff. Maybe it is just because we just covered it last week. 
but I'm finding a hard time not drawing parallels between perfume and jewelry already. Because like we talked about last week of perfume makes complete sense to me where someone would be like, this flower smells good. I'm going to rub it on myself. <laughs> yep. Right. Where this would be this like. This is pretty. Going to wear it. Right. <laughs> like this is pretty. Why put it in my pocket where no one could see it? Why bury it in a hole where no one could see it? I'm going to put it in my hair. I'm going to wear it around my neck. I'm going to put it on my wrist. You know, like, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. There was a necklace made of fish bones found in Monaco uh, and turned out to be 25,000 years old. Wow. I can't. It's hard for me to think about time like that. Yeah, <laughs> That's no deaf. very yeah, old. Yeah. It's very old. You heard it here first, folks. Very old. Very old. The meaning of the necklace is still under debate. Um, some assume that it was the sign of the chief of a village or a shaman or could have been gifted to a woman who bore a son as a trophy to her fertility. Or an amazing it, fisher person. Sure. Might just be like world's best fisher. Yeah, yeah. Because the first adornments seem to be artifacts from the hunt. Mm, Teeth, yes. claws, horn, horns, trophies. bones. Exactly. Trophies. Um, and, you know. Wearing these trophies might bring you good luck in your next hunt, and maybe you wore things from that. So maybe if you were the best hunter, you had the coolest jewelry. Well, yeah, that makes complete sense, right? Once again, I mean, if you think about animal nature, right, which yeah. humans are animals, when you look at, like, mating rituals and, like, dominance rituals and all that, there's a lot of... Look at what I can collect. Mm -hmm. Look at how cool my nest is. Look, And exactly. so that idea of, like, oh, that guy? That guy's a great hunter. Just look at his neck, right? Indeed. Like, it makes complete sense. Um, and you, we mentioned religious aspects as well. So there were necklaces and adornments that were made to pay homage to specific gods. Or I like even how you said that. Homage. Homage. <laughs> or even manifest specific goals like, you know, fertility, wealth, love, luck, all that stuff. Live, laugh, love. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Wear your necklaces. Yeah. I bet there is a live, laugh, love necklace out there. I so. bet that there is. There's another example from ancient Iran uh, dating from around 3000, you know, into 400 BCE. That's also old. Just Very for the old. record. Yeah. Anything yes. over 50 years old, though, is old to me. So. <laughs> And they carry a lot of spiritual meanings, and, and they're decorated with things like stars and floral designs. Um, and it was made as offerings to the gods or used to dress up statues, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, mummies have been found with, you know, encrusted with headdresses and necklaces and earrings. Not surprised by that at all. That makes complete sense. And was presumably to honor them in the afterlife, right? Yeah, you can take it with you, thought that, the Egyptians. Thought the Egyptians. <laughs> I would like to take this with me. I get that. Exactly, exactly. Um, and we have talked a little bit about uh, e Egyptian religion and thought process. Uh, one of the things that shows up in jewelry again and again and again is the scarab, right? Yep. That that beetle, which is, I mean, it's... It's just everywhere, not only in the ancient Egyptian world, but it's resurfaced in different jewelry trends throughout the centuries. Similarly, the Eye of Thoth, I think it is, or Thoth, um, where, you know, it's that kind of eye uh, with like a swoopy bit on the mm, end and kind of yeah. symbol down. Also, the Ankh is another one that was mm -hmm. very popular then, which I believe is uh, now popular in a lot of like mystic uh, traditions and mystic jewelry and that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, man, 
Egyptian stuff looks cool. One of I should the... say ancient Egyptian stuff. <laughs> there is still currently Egyptian stuff, which is not the same. Ancient but Egyptian could symbol. still be cool. Sure. They were some of the first to use mascots and meaningful colors in their jewelry. Uh, for example, the vulture was the symbol of Upper Egypt and the cobra for Lower Egypt. Oh, so wait. Like literal mascots. Yeah. I thought you meant just like, it's a symbol for life. It's a symbol for, but just more Literal like, mascots. Yeah, vultures. Well, okay. if, you wanted, if you wanted to rep your hometown, you could buy a necklace yes, with that, no. one of those on it. Listen, I'm from Huntington, West Virginia, home of the Thundering Herd. I guarantee there are plenty of Thundering Herd necklaces all around. I get it, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And the colors uh, had different meanings. For example, yellow and gold were associated with the sun and the sun god. Of course, yeah. Um, green was uh, imperative to communication. So a green stone was often placed in the mouths of the pharaohs before they were entombed. Uh, Hopefully after they were dead, though, right? Right, yes. Okay, great. Yes. Red was thought to preserve one's soul. Um, so like there's, there's just so much rich ancient history behind all this jewelry stuff, right? Except for diamonds. Go on. I'll get to that later. Go on. (laughs) Okay. Um, so jewelry, pretty awesome until. Oh no. The fall of Rome. Okay. What Uh, about the winter of Rome or uh, the summer of Rome? (laughs) Okay, go on. The church came along, and as they do, they they ruined everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm trying to find the fault in it, and there's none. Go on. Luxuries like jewelry were no longer a thing that everyone could enjoy. Um, Most of the wealth in Europe specifically was laid in the hands of the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the 10th century, if you wanted to have some, peep some high-class jewels... Go to the church. Uh, They had gemstone-studded altars and chalices, uh, bedazzled Bibles and such for mass. Like, it was was kind of like, it was disgusting. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then— Especially when you consider— Oh, that's not the cup of a carpenter, as Indiana Jones would say. At no point was Jesus like, you know what? I love jewels. Mm -hmm. I love that shiny stuff. Their crusades also had a lot of uh, a lot of this going on. They would go and, you know, loot ancient sites for gems and gold and precious stones and bring it back and buy their salvation. um, Once again, that's not how it works. You can't. It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. Read the book. Okay, so I go on. Okay. I have uh, I was raised to the Baptist <laughs> and I read the Bible a lot. And it makes me mad. Okay. I'm yeah. no longer practicing. It should be clear. Okay, so the Crusades, even though they were the pits, uh, (laughs) (laughs) opened up a lot of trade between the Eastern and the Western world at the time. Um, So Europe had an influx of new gemstones and precious metals. Um, And so, like, it was a really great way, again, for society to stomp on the poor and say, y'all can't have this great stuff. This is for us rich only. Um, okay, sp- <laughs> can I can I say this is one of the inherently I would say uh, inherent problems with jewelry, right? Because mm-hmm. what we're really talking about when we talk about it is value and beauty, or beauty, right? Two different things, right? Right. Because I think beauty 
is something where you know you see the sparkle, you see the shine, you see the design, you see the intricate uh, uh, artistry of it, right? And that's a beauty thing. And right. then on the other side of it is value, which is a completely made up perceived thing, right? To say like, ah, gold is worth this much. Well, gold actually has very little practical application, right? right? So the problem is, is then it becomes a status symbol and not just the beauty and the artistry of it, but about like, the more you have, clearly you can like invest in it and buy it instead of buying things like, I don't know, food, sure. right? Um, and, and anyways, I just want to acknowledge that there is, as we talk about valuing, um, you know, lowercase v, Jewelry. Mm -hmm. I want to acknowledge that there is a inherent classist, you know, problem. With Absolutely, it. and sometimes there is an outwardly classist attempt uh, called a sumptuary law. Go on. Um. So no, you know what? I can't wait to hear about it. But first, how about a thank you note for our sponsors? All right. This week, Schmanners wants to write a thank you note to Made In. If quality and craftsmanship is important to you, you should check out Made In. Made In is a cookware and kitchenware brand that works with renowned chefs and artisans to produce some of the world's best pots, pans, knives, and wine glasses. Made In sources the finest materials and partners with renowned craftsmen to make kitchen tools available directly to you without the markup. Their cookware distributes heat evenly and can easily go from stovetop to the oven. And their knives are fully forged, perfectly balanced, and stay sharp. They have more than 28,000 five-star reviews, and their products are used by some of the world's best chefs at Michelin-starred restaurants around the world. Trust me, folks, this stuff looks great, feels great to use, and it just has that feeling of it's going to be around for a while, right? This is an investment you're making in some quality cookware. And right now, Made In is offering our listeners 15% off your first order with promo code SCHMANNERS. This is the best discount available anywhere online for Made In products. So go to Made In, that's M-A-D-E-I-N, cookware.com slash schmanners and use promo code schmanners for 15% off your first order. That's madeincookware.com slash schmanners and use promo code schmanners. We also want to write a thank you note to DoorDash. We've talked about it before, but I'll say it again and again and again. Figuring out what you want for dinner is hard. Making sure you get everything at the store is even harder. Sometimes you go to get that one thing, you come home and you forgot to get that one thing. Or sometimes you wake up in the morning and you need a little special pick-me-up, maybe some coffee and donuts from Dunkin', something like that. Maybe, you know, you don't feel like cooking dinner and you want to order some dinner. All those things DoorDash can do for you. DoorDash connects you with the restaurants you love right now and right to your door. And you can now get grocery essentials with DoorDash too. Get drinks, snacks, other household items delivered in under an hour. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want from where you want, and your items will be left safely outside your door with the contactless delivery drop-off setting. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code SCHMANNERSPOD, all one word. That's 25% off up to a $10 value and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code SCHMANNERSPOD. Subject to change, terms apply. Hey, I'm Janet Varney, host of the JV Club podcast. 
Ah, oh, high school. Was it a time of adventure, romance, and discovery? Class of 95, we did it! Or a time of angst, disappointment, and confusion. We're all tied together by four years of trauma at this place, but enjoy adulthood, I guess. The truth is, it was both. So join me on the JV Club podcast where I invite some great friends like Kristen Bell, Angela Kinsey, Oscar Nunez, Neil Patrick Harris, and Keegan-Michael Key to talk about high school, the good, the bad, and everything in between. My teenage mood swings are getting harder to manage. The JV Club. Find it on Maximum Fun. Okay, I believe you said the word sumptuary? Yes. Which I'm mad that it's associated with, I think, something bad because it's a fun (laughs) word to say. Uh, They were laws made for the purpose of restraining luxury or extravagance, particularly against inordinate expenditures for apparel, food, furniture, etc. Basically, they were laws to enforce social discrimination. No way. Like, basically, a law that says, like, hey, you don't have money. You can't buy that. Yep. What the? What? Uh, There were... For example, four categories of rings that one was allowed to wear as a poor. What? Ecclesiastical rings carrying sacred symbols reserved for clergy and laymen expressing their faith. Curative rings. They were fashioned from specific metals meant to cure ailments and diseases. Uh Wedding rings. Okay. And gadget rings like brass knuckles, compass rings, and pipe stuffers. Oh, okay. Well, I I like that last one. I don't like the law. Yeah. Okay. All of this goes to say that most people who were able to wear jewelry either, you know, lawfully or because of the status, were rich people. And by the time the 16th century rolled around, jewelry was synonymous with royalty. Mm. Um, Henry VIII would boast that he owned over 234 rings, 324 brooches, countless diamond and pearl-studded necklaces. Uh, His daughter, Elizabeth Can you imagine how loud he was when he wore all that stuff? Oh, totally. Oh, okay. Just imagine all the rings. He probably couldn't bend his fingers. Elizabeth I had thousands of dresses weighted down with pearls and gemstones and things. I mean, they were just dripping with jewels. And nobody did it better than King Louis XIV. Oh, yeah, Sun King. Absolutely. Is that, is that, yeah, he's the Sun King. Yep. That court uh, apparently stunk, but yeah, a lot of flashy jewelry, peacocking it left and right. Yep. Uh, his reign took place from 1642 to 1715, and during that time, more large diamonds were imported from India than at any other time in history. Wow. In fact, it's believed that the Hope Diamond was brought to Louis' court and to be set in a necklace by the royal jewelers um, before it was stolen. <gasps> okay. There's there's this whole thing about the Hope Diamond that I, I won't get into. No, it's a whole story for a different podcast. Right. Um. So I think that uh, we can move safely on to the 17th century um, and the Baroque period uh, was when... The 17th century or 1700s? 17th century. That's the 1600s. Okay. I thought we were already there because we were talking about Louis. Oh, sorry. In another part of uh, of Ah, the design here. So we're moving into an era of Baroque design. And and as I always say, if it ain't Baroque, Uh don't 
fix it. Okay, mm-hmm. go on. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It comes from a Portuguese word for misshapen pearl. Oh. Um, so gemstones fall out of fashion. Pearls and diamonds are the the tops there. And this is when ornamental swords become the fashion uh, symbols for men. And small swords from the period could be inlaid with precious metals and enamel enamel scenes depicting everything from like ships to flowers. Okay. I do think that's cool. I mean. Now we're going to skip to the 19th century. Okay. Victoria? Victorian, that's right. And this is where like so many things, things that were for everyone, I mean, if you were rich enough, right, become gendered. Yes. Um, Well, this is where you start uh I really okay. Once again, as I've often said, yeah. there's someone out there who can probably define this better than me. But I think at this point, this is when advertising really becomes a thing, and figuring out that if I specialize in men's jewelry, mm-hmm. right, or women's jewelry, right, now I'm cornering a market, right, sure. as opposed to like I'm just someone who carries everything. Right. When you start specializing your store, people know where to go, and it's easier to advertise. That's my bad. Mm-hmm. Right. That it's not about uh, science or biology or any of these things. It is about advertising. Yeah. Go on. We see. Which will come oh. up again in diamonds. <laughs> in Go diamonds. on. Go on. Just and we keep teasing it. We've talked about the arts and crafts movement. There was also a parallel movement in jewelry making. Um, and at the dawn of the 20th century, arts and crafts jewelers avoided large faceted stones and relied on making shaped and polished gems, mm. which I think is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. We are up to the 1900s, an Art Nouveau style caused another dramatic shift in jewelry design, Um, went from flowery, showy designs back to very simple. Uh, It is kind of, I don't know, sensual Mm. in design. It's a... Let's see. It's very... It's highly curved and... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a that's the thing is if you look at like uh Deco and Nouveau, it's very much like um what I picture is like a figure splashing out of something, right? In Nouveau, it's very much like Venus in the waves, you know, there's a curl mm-hmm. of flower and a wave behind it. In Deco, it's very much like there's rays of sun, these like strong rectangular shapes, you right. know what I mean? Yeah. And so we come up to the nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties. This is when jewelry becomes kind of like an up yours as a status symbol, right? This is when things come out like plastics and paper and textiles and safety pins. And oh, like, so punk, a lot of punk stuff. Not there. just punk, but like, I see, I can make jewelry out of anything. I can that make this true. great jewelry out of things that uh, don't have to be precious. And also costume jewelry, See, this right? this is where we get into that like beauty, right? Versus value, right? So it can be like, oh, look at this lovely necklace. It cost me $15, right, right, right? Instead of, and also as we talk about symbols, you get into the 60s, mm-hmm. you got the peace sign, right? Like, like you have all these big shifts in once again, jewelry being a symbolic thing. I mean, we talk about punk, Right. Think about pins and badges and safety pins and all of these chokers and chains and stuff that it's all about 
the representation rather than the value. Exactly. And that's how, you know, we we have several episodes talking about like the pendulum of like the social acceptance and all those sort of things. So like uh, during that time period, there was a big swing toward the subversion of the, you know, like the physical value you were talking about. It's pretty awesome. I also, once again, am willing to bet that you could do another like whole section. I don't know how much more you have to talk about like the time period wise. But then we no, also, up, I remember growing up in like the 80s and 90s where men's jewelry became very muted, if at all, because people were worried about being perceived as homosexuals, mm. worried about being seen as gay, to the point where there was the like, which which ear are you going to wear your earring in? Because right. one ear, and it was like such, not even veiled homophobia, very prevalent. And so it makes me very happy to see now that that pendulum has, thank God, swung the other way, where everybody can be more comfortable expressing themselves uh, by wearing as much or as little uh, jewelry as they want. Now I want to talk about diamonds. I would love to hear you talk about diamonds. So we got a question from Motorcycle Stepdad at Trash Meatball. Was a diamond ring, other expensive piece of jewelry, always standard to present to someone from proposing marriage, or is that a recent tradition? So one, it should be important to note that uh, engagement rings have uh, historically for a long time, or at least originally, were seen as kind of a uh, sign of ownership, right? Right, yes. We Please go visit the uh, our wedding selection. Right. It, this was not a promise you were making to your partner, but rather an indication to the world of, well, they're taken, right? But let's talk about the diamond aspect of it, right? So the first time diamonds appeared uh, it, on an engagement was 1477, right? But that was not, it did not then increase in popularity. And in fact, diamonds as both like an engagement and wedding ring and as a valuable right. gem, wasn't until 1947. Let's say the most valuable gem. No, because here's the thing. Actually, as far as gemstones go, diamonds are incredibly uh, common, right? They they are not rare. Uh, there is nothing inherently valuable uh, as far as like rarity goes about a diamond. So what it is is De Beers uh, started this campaign of uh, diamonds are forever, mm. right? And the reason was is it was like people were um, selling stuff back, right? Doing And if there is a resale market, right, and people are selling off their diamond rings, then someone else can buy a diamond ring. They're not buying new diamonds, uh, you know what I mean? So like that mm -hmm. money is not then going to De Beers. It's going to the people who are reselling these rings. Right. And so De Beers started this campaign of diamonds are forever. And what they have also done is De Beers has an, like a complete monopoly yeah. on, on diamond flow. And so they just let it trickle out. Mm -hmm. So there are actually all of these diamonds just in a warehouse somewhere not being used. And they let a very limited amount go out at a time, which increases the value of right. them. Manufactured scarcity. And it is important to note, most of those diamonds come uh, from very, very, very problematic uh, sources. Either they are taken from countries where it is about warlords getting those diamonds and then selling it for profit. It is from places where these uh, precious minerals are being taken from that country without you know paying that country for their minerals. A lot of things. Diamonds are bad. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that if you have a diamond on your finger, you are a bad person. 
But I am saying I think it's time to stop valuing diamonds. It's completely manufactured. Weird. Like we were talking about advertising. The only reason people think they should have diamonds is because people have been told they should have diamonds. It doesn't symbolize anything historically. There is no like uh, a diamond has always. It's not. We should stop. Okay. All right. We have other questions. Though. Great. Let's get to some other questions. Okay. Uh, Kai asked, when it comes to ear piercings in the workplace, how should they be worn? What is the expectation for style? First thing I'll say is if you're working in a manufacturing job, you should be careful. I recently was wearing an earring. I was wearing ear protection while I was blacksmithing. The ear protection got caught on my earring and I had to get my teacher's help. Right. So, so we always want to do function over form depending upon the job you're doing, right? But as far as like, quote, professional jewelry it really comes down to what your like employee handbook says um but in general probably something that isn't too distracting or noisy right yeah um things that are like bangles or large sparkly earrings or something is could be distracting to some people um and you know i i think that it's more about not about the amount of jewelry, but the kind of jewelry that you're wearing. So if you have like eight piercings all the way up your ear, but you got little studs or whatever that don't interfere with your job or anybody else, wear them. Uh, I will also say, um, while I think it is good to go buy an employee handbook because you don't want to get fired or whatever, I think it is also important to note that they're not updated regularly. Oh, they certainly aren't. I found a lot of times that if you just go to a boss or a manager and say, this is cool, the answer is probably going to be yes. Or just hide it if corporate comes by. Um, <laughs> because, like, for example, there are a lot of outdated stuff about uh, that men can't wear earrings or there's a lot of stuff about tattoos that just right, that are completely outdated. Hair, uh, a lot of stuff like that um, that visible earrings. I think there's something about like people who work at Disney can't paint their fingernails or something. I don't know. But it, I think it's worth to ask your boss instead of just assume that it's not okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirsten asks, how are you supposed to function while wearing rings? Do you take them off to wash your hands, to put on lotion, to eat messy food? Yes, yes, and yes. Uh, yes. All of those things are great practices. Do make sure that you don't put your rings on the sink uh, because they will probably fall down the drain. Yes. But I don't really take them off. You're supposed to take... Oh, come on, you grosso. I don't take off my wedding ring and my engagement ring. Um, because not only are they very difficult to take off, I don't, I don't have any place to put them usually. Um, so yes, I do wear them swimming, uh, yeah, showering, I guess you don't have pockets like I doing do. my hair. Yeah. Not every, not everything I wear has pockets like you. Um, and so yes, you should take them off because the dirt, the grime, it all eats away, but let me tell you the one. Don't time feel you, bad if you don't take it off. The one time you do need to take it off, if you are working with tools, you should take off your rings. You should also take off necklaces, any kind of hanging jewelry, especially if you're working with power tools. Mm-hmm. Things can get caught. Injuries can happen with rings. And this is a content warning because this is a little graphic, very graphic. In fact, a thing that can happen is called gloving, where if a ring is caught, it can pull the layer of skin off of your finger. Didn't that happen to Jimmy Fallon? Jimmy Fallon. Um, it, and it couldn't 
can get even worse than that. So if you're going to be working with power tools, working with any kind of tools, working in a shop, anything like that, make sure you take your rings off for safety. You should also probably take it off for sleeping. I do definitely, if I wear earrings, I take those out before I go to bed. Um, it can, again, cause your jewelry to wear faster. Um, also, it can break your jewelry. It can also give you um, uh, infection if you wear it too too long, but I still don't take my ring off. Also, don't go to a Claire's to get your ears pierced. <laughs> go to like a profession, go to like a tattoo parlor or a piercing parlor or something like that. Okay. Don't if you work at Claire's, I didn't say that. Okay. I still think you're great. Um Haven wants to know, could you talk about the tradition of the Clotta ring? Uh, I think it's really sweet and not enough people know about it. Uh yeah, so basically if you've ever seen a ring where it's like two hands holding a heart with a crown, right? Uh, then that is uh, the Clotta ring. Uh, so the heart is the central feature of the ring. Um, the heart represents love. The crown is a symbol of royalty uh, or loyalty. Um, and the hands uh, represent friendship. So you can view this ring as commitment, basically. Um, and there are different ways to wear it. Uh, if you wear it on your left hand, uh, then you're wearing it on your left ring finger, uh, with the bottom of the heart pointing towards you, the point of the heart, then you are sending the message that you are married. Uh, there is also, you can wear it uh, so it's facing the other way, I believe, and then it is showing that you are engaged but not married. If you wear it on your right hand, uh, then it is generally seen um, that uh, if you are single and open the idea of the relationship, wear a clotto ring on your ring finger with the heart pointing toward outward. Um, it's... Uh, there's a lot. Uh, your heart is open to love. And if you're dating someone, whether casually or seriously, you opt to wear your ring on your right finger with the heart pointing towards you. And this shows that someone has a claim on your heart. Okay. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of symbolism. Um, let's see. This is from uh, at 2% gold. Is it true the jewelry was a traditional gift demanded by women because it could be sold easily and to provide them with some financial security when they couldn't have their own bank accounts? Yes. Yes, we have talked about this. The uh, we talked about this in um, oh gosh, one of our Victorian episodes. I, I so, yes. think uh, so. Women historically were not given property rights. Uh, they were not expected to work. All that kind of thing. And it's not it, jewelry is something that. Um, you can take with you easily because you wear it on yourself. It's not like you can, you have to, uh, like, I don't know, search for that painting that your your dad right. you gave can, you or whatever. You can run out the house you with it on. You can run out of the house with it on if you needed to. And it has a generally accepted value. Correct. Um, and so some of the things that uh, that the laws reflect according to this is these kind of jewelry gifts are non like you're not expected to return them according to the law um because they're you know it's a little bit of an insurance policy just like you said yep uh one last question here this is from the cgjg burner account uh what's a tasteful amount slash location of jewelry for someone who hasn't worn any before um so there are two schools of thought on this the first one is uh coco chanel always said before you leave the house take off one piece of your jewelry take off one accessory um because the feeling at the time is less is more 
but also there's the school of thought of more is more. Yeah. <laughs> so some people love to make a statement. And I definitely think that if you want to make a statement, there's some really great uh, like just trends to follow. Um, bigger, more sparkly stuff is usually reserved for evening wear. Um, and uh, it is generally reserved that you are not supposed to really like mix metals. So like if you're wearing a silver necklace, you should probably wear a silver toned earring, bracelet, ring, those sorts of things. But some uh, some metals look really nice together. Mm-hmm. Um, rose gold goes with a lot of different colors of things. I think silver and copper also. Silver like... and copper can look really nice. Um, the thing is, it's about attitude. Yeah, and self-expression. Yeah. I would, I would also recommend... Um, one, okay, there's also a whole practicality level of some uh, some metals will leave rings. Yeah. Uh, like, ironically, no, I mean like <laughs> stains on your finger, right? That kind of thing. Um, if you have any allergies along those levels. But I think you're also talking about two different things, right? Are you going out for a special occasion, right? Because then if I'm going out for a special occasion, I got, you know, tie pins, I have lapel pins, I have earrings, I have, uh, you know, collar clips, I have bracelets, I have watches, I have all kinds of things, right? But if you're talking Cuff about- links. Yes, cufflinks, all these things, um, <laughs> boot candy. If you have, if you're talking about everyday wear, my recommendation is adding one piece at a time till you get comfortable with it. Because if it's me and I'm like, you know what, I want to try wearing a necklace and rings and bracelet, and I wear it all at once, I'm going to feel the presence of it in right. a distracted way. Yeah. Um. And so, like, I currently wear three rings. Uh, I have my wedding ring. I have a ring that I got with BB's birthstone when BB was born. And I have a thumb ring that's made out of a West Virginia state quarter. Right. Now, I tried to wear four rings because I got another ring when Dot was born. And I found it was just physically, the sensation was too much. Mm-hmm. So now I swap out the BB ring and the Dot ring. Uh, and I'm getting used to the feel of the other one, right? Yeah. Um, because, like, it's all about finding what are you comfortable physically wearing earrings i wear i completely forget them <laughs> until i put in like a heavy one and you can physically right. feel the yeah. weight and you know, it, it's weird but i think it's about finding what you're comfortable with what represents you yes uh so that's gonna do it for us another great episode i if i do say so myself <laughs> i had a lot of fun on that one. Oh, good thank Me you too. And thank you to everybody who, uh, you know, comes, listens to each episode, tells their friends about the episodes. Uh, submits topics. Submits topics to the episode. Um, so got a couple uh, big news points I want to tell you guys about. We're doing a My Brother, My Brother and Me live show uh, with opener Sawbones. That show is going to be on June 25th at 9 p.m. Eastern time. And you can get those tickets now. It's a virtual show. So you can watch it anywhere. Bit.ly slash MBMBAM virtual. Uh, tickets are just $10. And the good news is if that Eastern time doesn't work for you or if you're busy that day, there is a video on demand that will be available for two weeks after the show. So even if you miss How it, great. you got two weeks to watch it. We got new merch over at McRoy Merch. We got a pin of the month. Uh, that's a picture of Griffin saying, I also want a sword from the My Brother, My Brother and Me TV show. And that pin benefits the Trevor Project, which is uh, provides crisis 
crisis intervention and suicide prevention services to lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and questioning folks, uh, young people under 25. Uh, we're also selling a We're Legends shirt, which is an Adventure Zone reference, and a portion of that is going to support the Trevor Project as well. You can pre-order the Adventure Zone comic at theadventurezonecomic.com. The next graphic novel comes out July 13th of 2021. That's this year. And if you pre-order the gift, you can get a Kravitz lenticular laptop sticker when you submit your uh, receipt for pre-order at bit.ly slash Taz for pre-order. We also want to say thank you to Maximum Fun. We want to say thank you to you. We want to tell you, go check out uh, Family. What else? What do we always say here? Well, we always thank Brent, Brental Floss Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. We'd like to thank Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art at Cast is where we get all of our listener-submitted questions and queries for our episode. Uh, we love to thank Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook book group Schmanners Fanners I got a little tongue twisted there. Got there. I got there. Uh, if you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, go ahead and join that group. Uh, we also love to thank Alex, our researcher, writer, and thank you, our Max Fund supporters, uh, for affording us that to pay her. Yeah, we couldn't do it without you, and we couldn't do the show without Alex. Um, she checks every single email for the Schmanners account, schmannerscast at gmail.com, and she is always looking for your suggestions. We are making schedules. We're getting to them. Please keep submitting them. Also, submit those idioms. We love them. And that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners. Schmanners. Get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.